Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Long View. I am your host, Parker Fleming. And in case you are a first-time listener, The Long View is a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the 3 d Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. So wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, you can find our podcasts there. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a podcast on, or Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog, excuse me, on SB Nation. You can find the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming. With me, we got a special guest. He is a writer and podcaster for SB Nation's The Bird Rights, which is the New Orleans Pelicans SB Nation blog. And he is also the Spaces Sensation, Chris Connor. Chris, how's it going, man? Parker, man, I uh, appreciate you having me on, man. That's a lot of nice, uh, a lot of nice things that you decide to say about me, there, man. Uh, I wish, um, I wish your team would have been nicer to the team that I enjoyed yesterday. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> pleasure to be on, man. I'm, I'm feeling as good as can be. Absolutely, yeah, I. You know, I was telling Chris, I don't really want to talk much about the game. And I think it just boils down to as simple as this. I mean, New Orleans was pretty shorthanded without uh, without uh, Brandon Ingram last night. And he's a major head of the snake for them in terms of scoring and playmaking. And that that hole was too big to, to fill. And then also the Grizzlies, they were coming off their worst loss of the season. And they were going to go out and make a message. And. Unfortunately for Chris and the New Orleans Pelicans, it just happened to be them. I was on the receiving end. So that's really why I didn't really want to talk about it much, Chris, because it just boils down to those two things. No, 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 you're 100% right, man. I mean, that's why, you know, even yesterday running the spaces, you know, we, um, you know, I I don't have a, a sponsor with Taste Cookies, but, you know, I might I might after that after that performance because I'd, I'd rather I'd rather talk about chocolate chip cookies and talk about then go deep into the you know uh, any type of rash reactions about that game you know uh it just it was what it was I mean the Grizzlies like you said came off their worst loss of the season you know but we're still talking about a team that you know I believe is you know has the second best record in all the NBA you know so I mean and that's not by accident they're a really good basketball team and that's okay so you know you go in there without BI you go in there you know, of course, without Zion, as you have, you know, the whole year. And, I mean, what what do you really expect in Memphis? And, I mean, look, New Orleans has been playing really, really good basketball post-All-Star break. They had a, an, an amazing week, one of the best weeks from an energy perspective. And just, you know, you know, when you talk about just the, you know, the overall intensity that the fans showed in the arena and just, how, how, how good everyone seemed to have been feeling. It's been a long time since they've been able to relish in that. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, listen, Memphis and New Orleans will be at each other's necks for a long time as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, I mean, look, eventually Memphis was supposed to end up winning, get, getting a few games back, and Ja was supposed to beat the Pelicans eventually. And even if it came this way, he did. He delivered, and so did the Grizzlies. And, you know, hats off to them. Yes, and we, we really need these two teams to go at each other's necks for the next five to ten years or so, just because we, we need some division rivals. We don't get many rivalries anymore. And, you know, the, the I-55 being in the, in, the, in the South, being one of the two or one of the three main teams of the South between us two and New Orleans – or not New Orleans, Atlanta, we, we need something. We, we need something to spice things up and – I mean, also, too, luckily for Pelicans fans, there isn't much time to really relish on this loss because you're playing Orlando tonight. So, best thing about the NBA, quick turnarounds and not really harp on anything. So, that's, that's always nice. Uh, but one, one thing I do want to kick the show off with, Chris, is there's been one thing that's been a major – actually, no. And there's one more thing I wanted to get to as, like, an intro kind of deal. Um, for one, you said no violence in the spaces chat last night, and then you just decided to demolish me after I complimented your team saying, man, 
you're, we're just still going to bust your ass whenever everyone else gets healthy. I'm like, damn, I thought there was going to be no violence. But also, too, like, <laughs> you, you, got, you got spaces blowing up. Like, you know, you were one of the first really in on it. And now, like, I, I feel like you're getting, like, a, a ton of listeners in, a ton of people speaking. Hell, I know you even got Kendra Perkins to uh, hop in on y'all spaces. And, you know, that's a different conversation for a different podcast. But what, what has gone into this just organic growth of your spaces and just kind of taking advantage of that platform and just kind of cornering that as, like, your lane? Uh, you know, Parker, man, that's a that's a really good question, man. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it all starts with just with just having a love for for a city, for, you know, that region, being from there. And, you know, whether no matter the circumstances, good, bad, you know, no matter what I'm looking at, I'm always going to support that franchise. And. You know, that's just that's just how I'm wired, man. So there's a there's a loyalty aspect there. Um, and, you know, given the luck that the franchise has had, man, you know, you get a lot of people, you know, market size as well and luck bad and good. Right. You know, with you know, with getting generational talent, you know, repeatedly uh, within, you know, the 20 years of being in New Orleans and then the way that, you know, they've left. Right. Um, and the the different the combinations of reasons beyond that. And that overall, man, you know, has put a, just an ugly spotlight on the, you know, on New Orleans to where, you know, people just say silly things or one person says something that's not, that's not backed up with facts. So then someone else says it, but it gets more irritating when you hear from someone who has the resources behind them or, the, or that's played in the league or that has the people you can talk to, he or she can talk to, to get some of it right. And mainly, you know, we, you know, we're talking relocation and we're talking the changes to the medical staff. It just, you know, you know, stuff, stuff like that. It just bothers you. Um, and that city, similar to Memphis, man, you know, I mean, we, you know, we come from, you know, like we come from the bottom. You know, we come from being, you know, being overlooked. We come from being, you know, the underdog in a lot of different ways. So, you know, anytime somebody is saying something negative about you or, you know, about your city, about, you know, you know, whatever you want to speak out about it, you want to say, nah, man, it's not like that. No, nah, that's not the way that it is. Oh, no. New Orleans does have fans. And I, I think what happened, you know, honestly, Parker, is, you know, J.J. Reddick made a comment, you know, and replied, replying to a tweet. And, you know, we, we kind of all ran with it. You know, I just was lucky, man, you know, to say and it was something I wasn't com- I wasn't even comfortable with because I've been writing. And been blogging and, and, you know, in this in this field, in this world for, I think, going on five years. But I couldn't really find what I wanted to do, what, what, what felt best for me. And I started to kind of, I wanted to host, but I didn't want to start it. I didn't want to start an actual show where I had to edit it. I had to do this. I had to do that. I wanted something way more organic. And I watched a lot of people, man, like my guy, J.J. Maples, and my man, Rod C. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Vinay and Kings and kind of what they, you know, guys from the Lakers side of things, they kind of, they really took over spaces during the postseason. I'm like, man, New Orleans, we, you know, like, man, like, what if, what if we had something like that for our team? What if we had something like that for our city? And I know it's just like New Orleans is, is, is the biggest, smallest city. It doesn't take much people to be like, yo, man, let me go on and see what's getting in there. You know, or what's going on in there. Let me see what's, I would peek my head in there. And I mean, and then it kind of just grew from there, man. It became more of a community thing. And I think once you get, once it becomes a situation where people are binding, people are growing, people are having a good time, whether the team is good or not, and people are finding something to look forward to, you know, you, you latch on to something. And it, it just so happened I was the one that people wanted to, wanted to do it or that people said, you know, continue to do it. Uh, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazed as how far it's, it's went and how far it, it will probably continue to go. Uh, I mean, I wasn't the first one here, man. I just been really consistent with it, and um, man, I mean, I I can't I can't say enough how surprising, but how just encouraging it's been, because you know I think it's I hope that it's tell it's helping other people want to do something similar like this, or want to speak, or want to talk about sports, or want to talk freely, or want to write, or want to you know get into this field, get into this world, and know that it's, it's it doesn't all have to come from the same path, you know. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's something I really liked that you said in your spaces last night where you're like, man, we don't care, like, what your credentials are, how old you are and stuff. Like, if you got something you want to say, you want to speak your mind, this is your platform to do it. And that's something, like, you kind of, like, you rock with. That's how you kind of build that community, that organic growth. And, you know, I kind of feel the whole thing with the Memphis, New Orleans stuff because, you know, on these big TV shows and stuff, people always pick on us as the teams that need to relocate never mind the uh the arena agreements or anything and you know i remember people when Memphis had their one down season it's like oh they need to move to seattle it's like you know they've been to the playoffs in memphis they've been in there less than 20 years and they've been into the playoffs half of those years like that's kind of hard to come by for a small market team but yeah it it's definitely cool i know um for us, our, our GBB or Bryson Wright, he's been very consistent with his spaces, and that's growing and growing each game. And, you know, it's just really cool. You know, it is uh, really cool to kind of see technology and stuff evolve like that. I, I hope still at this pace, but it's pretty cool. But I want to get into, you know, the Grizzlies and Pelican side of it. And, you know, there's always a, a lot of beef with our two teams because of the Jaw Zion thing and being division rivals, and for the fast for a while, the Pelicans always had the Grizzlies number, even though the Grizzlies would be higher up in the standing. So it just created a lot of tension on the timelines. But it kind of hit a different level after the Steven Adams, Jonas Valanciunas trade, because in we'll, we'll get into like kind of the nuts and bolts. I mean, it's just kind of I, – I, I hope people could just kind of see that as like a, hey – no team won the trade because both teams got what they wanted. You know, the Grizzlies, they wanted to move up in the draft while also getting a veteran that can still help their um, their young guys, but to mainly take the training wheels off the of young guys. Meanwhile, New Orleans wanted a four raiser, and it paid off. Like, it, it's paying off for both teams right now. So where, where do you stand on it, Chris? Because I, I, I think it gets silly especially when I see Grizzlies fans arguing with a Twitter account literally titled, did Jonas Valanciunas have a good game? Like, what are we doing, guys? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just, hey, man, I, I, I think that <laughs> everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to come out. And, and I think it all starts with, like, excitement on one end, right? Um, and some people are brave enough to have their own opinions that aren't swayed by public reactions. And some just latch on to what they, what they see everyone else saying or doing without thinking deeper into what overall plans might be. You know, um, and look, at the time when that trade happened, I don't think I understood it either. <laughs> you know, I mean, to be honest, but I also didn't, didn't see Desmond Bain having this kind of, uh, impact, right? I didn't see this team playing as well as they were playing, as they've been playing, missing various guys, whether it's Ja, whether it's whether it's uh, Dylan Brooks, whether it's, you know, Triple J. And, and and when I say playing well, I thought that they would be, you know, in that eighth, ninth, tenth seed region, not number two in the West, while having to overcome missing guys like those. So, I mean, it just shows that, you know, I mean, all given, given off-season grades, reactions are just overrated. You know, as an individual, Jonas Valanciunas has outpaced Steven Adams. And, I mean, he's been, he's been uh, I mean, regardless through his, through his struggles, uh, or if you want to call them struggles recently, uh, I mean, look, if he doesn't score another point, grab another rebound for the Pelicans the rest of the year, I saw, I've seen, way more than I expected from Jonas. This guy's played the most minutes, or he's absent, I believe, the most minutes for his career this season. He started out the year playing like playing like one of the best centers in basketball. He was playing that well. And he was actually playing he was playing well defensively to go with that. But I mean look, eventually man, you know, the you know the the wear and tear adds up, especially when you're you know you're you're playing in a role offensively when we're talking about point of emphasis we're talking about you know scoring loads he wasn't expected to play it right when when the trade happened we all thought zion would be a, would would have played multiple games tons of games by now hopefully you know w without injury and that just didn't happen so it changed a lot 
but he stepped up to the, you know, he stepped up to the challenge. And when things got hard, he continued to play well. He carried them the best that he could with BI, without BI. Um, but look, there's no, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, you got to look at Memphis and say, Hey man, um, either a, they won the trade. They didn't win the trade. No, man. Who, who cares at the end of the day? What I look at is both teams, like you mentioned, they did what they thought was going to be best for them at the time. Memphis made a move in which they know that they have to continue to build. They have to find a way to stick to what they have building in the present. And they have to make moves to help set up their future down the line, because no matter who you are, no matter how many great things John Moran is saying, um, you know, it's, it's saying about Memphis and how good the team is right now. For most people, all it takes is one one point of adversity where the team isn't playing well, or some you know, or something negative happens with the team, and then all the the all the negative na- national attention you know comes. When is Ja going to leave Memphis? When is this you know? So I think Memphis is handling it the right way. That you know they they seem to be handling it the way that like a team like Oklahoma City did uh, when they were trying to find a creative way to build around Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook you know early on. So. Um, and James Harden and company at one point. So, uh, look, <laughs> you know, Stephen Adams has been great for Memphis. He's played the role perfectly. He's made improvements. He's done, you know, he looks to be in much better. Um, he looks to be a lot less wore down than he was at this point last year for the Pelicans. Um, and, I mean, and I think that's good for both sides, man. I, I want Memphis to do well, and I think a lot of, a lot of teams should. We want this rivalry. We want it to be healthy. And, yeah. We want to bust y'all ears when it's time, 100%. But Memphis being good, New Orleans being good is good. Like, it's good for each other. They tie in together. They should. You know what I mean? Um, and a rivalry like that could be great for basketball because it's something that we don't see very often. Um, and it's just so much to dig at there beyond just the players on the floor. So, you know what I mean? Trade or not, I think it's worked out for both parties, like you said. And um, I think, in all honesty, it'll only get better from a value perspective. I certainly agree. And the, the big thing for Memphis is just the extra assets that, that come with it. I mean, obviously, you're moving up seven spots in the draft. That puts that put them in an entirely different playing field of prospects to go after. They went with Zaire, but they were rumored for Josh Giddy or Franz Vaughn or Moses Moody, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Like they, they were in the mix for those guys. And they wouldn't have done it without that trade. And then – that Lakers pick is just a roller coaster right now, man. I mean, at least both of us can kind of just like enjoy the Lakers being bad for many reasons. But man, I, I tell you what, the, the the pick is kind of giving me a little bit of a heart attack right now. I can't even lie because yeah, the La- Lakers, hey, but you know, we both like it. So we both like them not being as good. So. It's just no. I didn't expect them to be this bad. I thought nobody. Lake, did. Nobody. I did. thought the Lakers were going to have the lowest of the Grizzlies' three picks. To be honest, and and you know what though, Parker. I mean, and what's interesting, I think people were like, people were even confused why the Pelicans would have to, you know, would want to, um, why the Pelicans would want to move a Laker a Lakers draft pick. You know, you know, you know, you call it, and I mean, hey, part of it is you had to do what you had to do to get rid of two guys that you felt like didn't fit going forward to get an upgrade and to find a different ways to add to the team that was going to compete and build around your two all-stars and getting rid of Eric Bledsoe. Hell, I mean, some people didn't think that you'd be able to get a, get off one contract. They got all both in one deal. So, um, but you know, the interesting part about this is that, yeah, man, nobody thought that, that the Lakers would be this bad. No, nope, nobody did. And, I don't think the Pelicans are even are even in a situation where even another another lottery pick does them does them really well, considering a guy like Trey Murphy, who they drafted, who was supposed to be a plug in and play, who just got back, you know, who just got recalled back again today. Sure, I mean, if you want to add, you want you want to say adding to the treasure chest down, you know, down the line, surely. I mean, that's great, but you got a guy in trade that you have to figure out. You know, you have to figure out how you're going to use him going forward you trade it you know to get a guy uh like larry nance who should at least give you another year or so you got other rotational pieces that have worked out you drafted herb jones you got to still these still love the draft but herb jones in the second round 
So, it, you know, it all, it just seemed to all work out, you know, for both teams the way that it was supposed to. And now we don't know how this thing is going to end. It should make both sides nervous. But I think whether, whether Memphis loses out in the pick or whether New Orleans loses out in the pick, they've had some other things fall in their, fall in their line, you know, fall in line for Memphis having a chance to, you know, to look at Zaire Williams and say, okay, we can bring him along slowly, but still give him meaningful minutes, whether he fails or whether he succeeds, you know, for a guy who's, who's really talented. And most people thought he would be in a lot worse situation than, you know, than he's in with Memphis. Um, and just an overall deep roster. Um, and if you add that pick, man, you got added flexibility to either maybe make us make a, a bigger move or draft another guy, you know, down the line. I mean, they, you know, but or without it, you can hope that Zaire takes the bigger jump next year. You can hope that you package some guys, you know, to get an upgrade in another way. I mean, you know, the options are, you know, are going to be there for both sides, no matter what happens. And then for New Orleans, uh, you know, you can see how this CJ. B.I. thing is going to go and then hopefully you can welcome back Zion soon, who at least, you know, from everything that we've been hearing lately uh, is committed to giving this team, um, you know, a chance to run. And, you know, committed to New Orleans, at least for the time being, who knows if how or if that changes, but so many different hypotheticals, so many different things involved. At the end of the day, I think both teams are much better set up regardless of what happens, no matter what happens with the Lakers, then I would say most people thought they were when, when the trade went down. And I mean, I'm happy that we can, that we can have this, this, this discussion and say that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're kind of helping me transition to like the, the other point I want to talk about, but first before I get into it, like what's been the deal with not getting Trey, like not getting Trey Murphy, a lot of playing times, you know, I'm, I'm watching that team last night and, I mean, I'm sure, like, Najee Marshall is a fine player, but wouldn't you want to give those minutes to Trey Murphy, who, granted, in summer league, it's preseason, but he showed flashes and a team that needs perimeter shooting. I mean, he has size to defend. I don't know how well he's going to defend, but especially a guy with that shooting talent. I mean, everybody talked about him, basically him and Corey Kispert being the best shooters of the draft last year, and he's not really getting any run. Like, are, are you kind of concerned about that? Not really worried. Like, uh, what, what's been kind of going on with the Trey Murphy experience? Because, I mean, he's also, he was also a, uh, a top target uh, among a lot of people in uh, Grizz media, Grizz Twitter, when, it, when they had the 17th pick. Man, Parker, it's just such a weird situation, man. I mean, and there's so many things here at play. Um, I mean, look, you know, we started out, he started out in preseason shooting the ball very, very well. He looked like, you know, like, man, the Pelicans got, like, they really, they, between him and Herb Jones, they really knocked this draft class out of the park. And I still think that that's the case. Uh, but then when the season started, people people act like they watched film. They didn't give him the, you know, he's playing against full, you know, guys that are, you know, that have made regular season rosters, maybe some guys that aren't going over overseas or, or the players that are there decided to watch, watch some, some scouting or read some scouting reports, watch some games and say, Hey, we probably don't want to get this guy space and room to heat up. And the way teams guarded and chains, a team that like a Trey Murphy pick, it's not tied necessarily to Zion. Cause I think, I mean, no matter what your roster looks like, you need guys who are projected to shoot and defend at the next level no matter what type of team you have. So, but it just so much more opens up when you have a guy like, a, a talent like him that every, every player that's on the opposing team has to pay attention. The, the opposing size team, they have to pay attention to where that guy is. They have to pay attention. When he has the ball, it's been so, I mean, and you've seen it. There's so many possessions where every single defender is looking or running towards Zion when he's coming down here, you know, and sure, Brandon Ingram got, got some of those looks as the season progressed and he started to um, really take some steps forward, even from when he made, you know, an all-star or, or when he was an all-star in his first year in New Orleans, but it's just different. The gravity's different when it's I, I that's, that's just the case. So I think that was the vision for most of us. That was the vision for everybody. Like, man, can you imagine that like this team needs shooting 
Trey Murphy is going to get some of the most wide open shots he's ever imagined in, in those in those lineups. And, you know, unfortunately, he just didn't start off the year very well. And I think that, you know, there were some things that have been that that have been whispered, you know, behind the scenes, maybe in regards to maturity that could have been in play. Or maybe, you know, things just he he from a confidence perspective, things just didn't click as we all thought they would. I mean, and the other the other aspect of it is, you know, he's probably more of a four than a three at the next level, and he's limited into what he can give you offensively. But I'm with you. You know, you find a way to play that guy. You know, the tough part is when we've seen him sparingly since, um, I would say, before the All-Star break, even before the CJ trade happened, when he was getting some minutes and they had some COVID, you know, they had some COVID scares and some guys ended up missing missing time. Trey ended up playing some important minutes and made some big shots for them in stretches. Uh, you know, why that hasn't, you know, he hasn't continued to be thrown out there when guys like Garrett Temple were given minutes, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's a, you know, it's a position thing. You know, you got to Jackson Hayes not being not being a true center and having to play power forward maybe gets in the way of that. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure how to answer that for you, man. Um, I think that part of the coaching staff wants Trey to go through more of a of a gauntlet than say Herb Jones or even a Jose Alvarado did because number one there was a different kind of need there right away, and number two, those guys maybe were a little bit more professionals in those eyes. But you know. Um, it's really, it's really tough to call it. It's really tough to. Okay, yeah, but as I was saying about Trey, man, um, I just think it's just a, it's just a bunch of, it's a myriad of odd circumstances that happen all at once. Um, you know, maybe if he was at a different position, they would just continue to throw him out there until he figured, until he figured some things out, or to where they felt like he was at a point to where they could give him consistent minutes. It is odd sometimes to see guys like Najee Marshall. Um, who gives you certain things that Trey can't, but the investment isn't the same. You spend a first round pick on Trey, um, and no matter what, even if Trey isn't the isn't the defender when we're talking about wings, or we're talking about defending wings, if, if that's not what he's going to what he's going to help you at, and even if he can't do some of the things off the you know off the dribble, you know, you you still would like to find a way to see that guy out there, even if we're talking Billy Hernan Gomez. It's just, you know, it's a weird thing. And as the team has continued to win games um, and be in this playing situation, I think that they're really, while they're, while, they're, while they're willing to try some things, I think sometimes, you know, you make it more difficult than it has to be. And if the team was healthy, I don't think it would, it, this wouldn't be that big of a question mark. I think Trey would be out there and it would be a lot easier. I don't, I don't think we'd be having this conversation, but it's been a lot of movement, a lot of changes, a lot of, you know, multiple guys out in distance like Tony Snell who, who's garnered minutes right away you know being exactly what you thought what you would hope that you would get from Trey three and D so I mean yeah I mean it I'm very curious how it you know how this all progresses and if we do end up seeing meaningful minutes from him down the stretch uh but uh, you know I think that hopefully hopefully there's a key and clear role for him going into next year and, you know, whatever faults or I guess issues that he's had that has, you know, kind of questioned his place with the team rotation wise, you know, I hope that that's cleared up and he makes the improvements he has to, because I, I think he's going to be a hell of a player and you want guys like him next to the guys next to the, the pieces that are on your team right now, offensively and defensively. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it kind of just ties into like a takeaway that I had from the game last night and just from following this team's uh, progression over the past several weeks is the team's making a lot more sense now. Uh, you have a starting five and ideally you're not starting Jackson Hayes, you're starting Zion, but you have CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas in the starting lineup with whoever ends up in the starting lineup that night next to those four. and um, you also have Devontae Graham now in a bench role. You have uh, Najee Marshall at the bench. Jose Alvarez provided a spark. You can go with Willie Hernan Gomez or Jackson Hayes in the second unit. And now just 
you have in this team that's making sense. They're making strides. They're for the most of the, most of the part of the season. I know the record doesn't reflect, but they've been a five hundred team for the most for most of the year, and it's how everything that looms into that is Zion, and what it's just a lot of different directions with Zion. So, for one, where do you stand on all the Zion stuff? Because this is just some weird stuff going on from the stuff that's been put out there about. Uh, the people in a circle, the the injury stuff, his desire to be in New Orleans, but also just let's be real, the reality that in the 85 games that he's played, he's been dominant. Like he is a dominant, imposing force, all-star, all-NBA caliber, big guard anomaly, basically. So, well, where do you stand? Because, I mean, this is one of the most precarious uh, rookie contract cases that we've probably seen ever in the modern NBA. It's just it's just so weird, Parker. I mean, there's no other way to really describe it, man. It's, it's so many – it's – so many hidden messages, so so many things that are, that are unclear. I mean, even even with him resuming basketball activities, you know, we don't know if that means that he's going to play at some point this year. Even if I think that's what people hope for, and you know, you would you would assume that if he is going to wrap things back up this late in the year, um, then maybe that's what they're shooting, you know, what they're aiming for. But no one really knows. I, I mean, I'll tell you, man, when when all this stuff was going down, and specifically after after he um, ended up going back to Portland to rehab, you know, you know, you would, I would get messages every day about different, different things that were, uh, that were being talked about or different, different rumors, right. You know, will a second surgery be needed? And then, then it was a day that we thought a report was coming out saying a second surgery was going to happen. And then they end up, you know, an injection happens. Then you have the conversation about his family. Then it's a conversation about Zion, the human being, you know, and, you know, his mental health and what it means for him being at this age, just wanting to play basketball and having all the hype and pressure that, you know, that he had and expectations and things just not work out for him. Then, then it's the basketball team. Then it's the history of the Pelicans franchise and how that ties into it. Then we're talking about a qualifying offer. And we're talking about, does the family want him there? Does he want to be there? Why is he posting about the team? Why is he in New Orleans? Why is he rehabbing? What type of shape is he in? It's it's just been nonstop so much to where I think a lot of the fan base and just people around around the city are just like, you know, they just ignore. They've done their best to just ignore it. And it's just so odd because he's such a special talent and a guy that, you know, is going to make a hell of a difference. It's just it's no it's it's no way around it now that you get to see how CJ and Brandon Ingram have looked together. And, you know, with and Jonas and Jackson Hayes' emergence at the four and some of these other guys, Devontae Graham's uh, role being being back coming off the bench. Um, man, I mean, it's just it screams when Zion returns that they can really, really be a problem. I mean, it's a team that blew out the Utah Jazz by 30 points, you know, without it. So it's just it, it, it's so weird. Because I think so many people, at the end of the day, really want the best for him, but no one knows what he wants. And I think we're used in this in this age of information to have an idea what someone wants. And I think people are guessing. And even if you try to find the clue, you try to walk through the clues, there's going to be something else that's throwing your way. Say, oh, that's not the case. There's nobody that can definitely tell you he doesn't want to be in New Orleans. And I don't think there's anybody that can tell you he, he tell you he wants to be in New Orleans. Um, you know, the narrative changes so so often and the information that you get changes so so quickly. So I, I, I don't I don't know what you make out of it. I just think though at the end of the day, Parker, if it's about basketball, there's not many better situations for him to walk into given another injury that he's coming off of, given the fact that we, I mean we're questioning the contract that he's gonna take and you know, uh just everything that he's been through in this short period of time. From a basketball perspective, after you traded for CJ McCollum, I mean, you can just you see right away where he fits and how easy or how difficult that this team could be, the headache that they could be um, offensively. Um, and an under Willie Green, who's done a spectacular job, uh, you know, I I don't know, man, but you know, I really think that, and I'm starting to feel like 
things could be turning in a positive direction. But but that's but just like I t- said in the beginning, it's been so weird. You can't be sure of anything until you get official reports and then someone confirming that official report. Yeah, it's certainly all weird. But, you know, winning cures all. And surely he has to see the success that they've had. And also, too, the urgency with these moves. It's not like they're just sitting there laying duck and just kind of like, oh, we'll wait till Zion gets back. No, they're like, okay, let's go get CJ McCollum. Let's go get uh, Larry Nance in that trade as well. Let's go get Jonas Valanciunas. Um, hey, we may not be able to keep Lonzo, but let's go keep – let's go get Devontae Graham. You know, that they're showing this urgency. And sure – and obviously, too, they're winning – Willie Green's building a good, a good culture. It has to be enticing to come back, but again, it's one of the one of the weirdest situations for sure, which is the coverage that's around it, the dialogue that gets said about it. Really, for the most part, because there's there's nothing from Zion. There's nothing from Zion straight out coming out, and I mean that may be by design, but sure, certainly going to be interesting with this uh, restricted free agency coming up. And and not even just with this desire to be in New Orleans. Like, how much is New Orleans willing to pay when he's only played 85 games in the past three seasons? So, very excited to see how all this unfolds this offseason, to be honest. I I mean, look, man, um, it's the fact that we're even having this discussion, that we're even questioning if Zion Williamson, like how, how his next contract will look. You know, we're asking about Zion Williamson, man. This guy, this guy has been, um, you know, has had a million, a million followers on social media since he was like 14 years old. Like, you know, um, one of the most unique talents that we've ever seen. And as you mentioned, when he's played basketball, has been utterly dominant. This isn't people want to compare him to Greg Oden. Uh, this is different. Not saying Greg, not saying Greg Oden wasn't impactful when he was able to play and he was younger and he was healthy, but it wasn't this, it wasn't, it wasn't 27. It wasn't an easy 27, you know, in seven or how many rebounds it was and almost four assists on 63% shooting. It's just different, you know? So at, at, at what, you know, not even 21, you know, at that time. So um, it's, it's, it's very, you know, situations like this can, can walk towards, um, I guess, uh, periods that change the league, you know, Zion's Zion's next few steps or his health can impact a lot of things in the NBA. And he's that kind of, he's, he's that kind of talent. Um, I don't think it's, it's, it's a question that he's going to, you know, end up, um, I can't see him turning down, you know, you know, turning down the money that the public is are going to offer him. And I and even if they give him contract to have a bunch of different incentives, weight incentives, games incentives, whatever the case may be, uh, I mean, I think a max offer is going to be out there. And I think he will accept it at this point. Uh, but. Again, having the question, if Zion, I mean, you know, I mean, imagine imagine having to ask or well, ask this question about, you know, John Moran or ask this question about, you know, you know, let's say, you know, LeBron James, you know, years ago, or, or having asked this question about Kevin Durant, you know, and some of, you know, some of the other really, um, you know, all world, you know, transcendent talents that we've seen enter the league, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to imagine it. No one would have questioned this. No one would, no one thought we, we'd be having this type of um, discussion when he first got into the league. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's, it's really going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, I just hope it's going towards, uh, you know, a healthy pattern, a healthy path for both sides, not just the team, not just Zion's camp, not just, um, you know, Zion's legacy and his future, but Zion the man, you know, the human being. Um, you know, and then maybe, you know, from there, you know, we're having a different discussion and we can really, you know, be talking about the Pelicans as an organization and as a, as a franchise. I think they're starting to change the narrative. You know, but maybe we can talk about them maybe being a contender and taking a jump like we see Memphis do, or like we've seen Memphis do uh, this year and what they've been building the past few years since Ja got drafted. Right. And, you know, I, I'm going to wrap up with this. I mean, we've taught, you tied in Ja with a lot of stuff, and we're in a really 
it, it's kind of toxic uh, environment where people, it's like a comparison kind of thing. You know, if somebody's doing really well, you want to compare them to someone else. Like, I remember, you know, as Jaw was taking off really this season, you know, we had Stephen A. Smith go on TV saying he would take John down the stretch in a playoff game over Giannis. And I'm like, Stephen A., come on. Giannis just dropped 50 and 18 in a finals clinching game. Let's, you know, it's just also stupid dialogue. But now, you know, with Zion hurt, John taking this massive leap, everyone's doing the, all the, the Odin and Durant. And I think it's, I think it's silly. I think it's stupid. And I, I think too, like, None of these these guys were AAU teammates. They grew up together, all that. I'm sure they wouldn't want them just being compared to all the time, being like, oh, this person's better than this person. They want, they want each other to succeed. And But obviously with the way uh, things are shaking out and how today's sports commentary culture is, these two are going to be tied to the hit forever. Um, but, I mean, also hindsight's 2020. Um Nobody knew Zion would have this many injuries. And, you know, everybody knew Ja was going to be good, like really, really good. But if you told me that by year three, he was averaging 27, six and six, while also being like a top five MVP candidate and taking the Grizzlies to second in the West, second in the entire league. By year three, I would have told you you're insane. But, you know, here, here we are. And, you know, you, I feel like comparison here is the thief of joy. And, you know, I, I think – I still think that there's hope that Zion, you know, he turns around. He is that dominant force. I mean, we just saw with Joel Embiid. And we could potentially one day talk about Zion and Ja being one of the greatest one-two picks in – modern history to be honest that's what that's what everybody wanted man i mean people people wanted to have a you know you know you, you thought that especially i think if you if you watched uh i think you know you saw um you know a, a bird magic kind of you know hope right i mean the personality was there the um you know you know we're talking a situation where somebody is gonna is gonna take over the legacy for, you know, for LeBron James for all, you know, in all time, one of the arguably for some people, the greatest player of all time and Kevin Durant and Giannis. And we know, you know, you have, you have faces, you, you, you already have faces of the, of the NBA, but you are talking about two guys that, you know, came out of the same draft class that, you know, you were, you were hoping, um, you know, and, and, and even even if we were talking a situation where, you know, Ja came out the next year or Zion came out the, you know, or, or Zion came out the next year. Two friends, man, you know, you know, you know, they really, um, you know, have nothing but, you know, they have rooted for each other publicly and privately. But we've seen them play and we've seen, you know, the, you know, how competitive, you know, they are when they are against each other. But uniquely um, as individuals, they're, you know, great talents, you know, um, and, and and then you know you watch the way that they that they impact the game and that they they impact their teams and they overall um, the improvements that they've made and just you know the way people just you know connect with them is different it's just different and you were hoping and you're still hoping that you can get the return on that because it just would be it, it would be great for the cities it'd be great for the uh, you know for the franchise and it, I think it'd be really really great for the NBA. Those are the stories that, that, that we should want the national media talking about. Those are the good ones that we should, you know, that we should end up being able to have discussions about, not the constant nonsense about relocation and um, will this guy leave, will that guy leave? Nah, man, you know, let's talk about two of the, you know, two of the most, you know, unique, athletic, intelligent, you know, ca you know charismatic, um, young, young phenoms, you know, helping their teams, you know, to heights that, some of them in, in 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 one case or another never been and, and maybe and maybe for Jai he can he can lead Memphis to a place that they've never been. No one knows. So that's what I hope ends up happening. And you know, I mean, I believe Zion will get healthy. It's just a matter of staying healthy at, at that point. And I hope that it's that it's in New Orleans. Because I mean as we've been saying, you know, through all the talk, all the all the you know the the trash talk and through all the you know the talk about oh you know New Orleans dominating Memphis or Memphis got 
Memphis had fun. The social media account, shout out to them for the, for the you know the tweet that they did making fun of the Pelicans. Um, but through all that, man, you know, through the Jazz Zion talk and everything in hindsight, I, I, I mean, I can't say it enough. Like Memphis and New Orleans being good and having the opportunity to have a rivalry is really good for basketball. Yeah, and it's really yeah, and it's really good for small markets as well. I mean, everybody likes to, you know, pick on the small markets whenever we get whenever we get stars. They're like, oh, let's get them to the New York Knicks, even though they're basically the Sacramento Kings in a fancier arena, or the Los Angeles Lakers or the Chicago Bulls, or you know, let's just let's just appreciate talent. And you know, I'm I'm still gonna talk that noise on Twitter. And, you know, we're all going to give each other help because, you know, in, in the right context, it's Twitter, one of the things that Twitter is about. But also, too, we, we want – at the same time, we want each other's successes. And we got to – as basketball analysts, we also got to acknowledge when a team is actually, you know, good despite any sort of biases you may have. I mean, for Chris, it's acknowledging that the Grizzlies are – uh, one of the top teams in the league. And for me, it's acknowledging that the Pelicans are turning around and building something instead of, you know, having to say LMAO Pels in all caps after a Woj bomb drops after a move they make. Like, they're 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 going in the right direction, you know. It, it's always great talking uh, with Chris about this kind of stuff because, you know, rational, we all see it through. We all see the vision. And we're, we're all pulling for small markets and the I-55 rivalry at the end of the day. Exactly, man. I mean, you know, two cities that have that have so many different, you know, similarities, you know, between Memphis and New Orleans, uh, you know, so many, you know, uh, teams or fan bases that that have been waiting to, you know, to be to be heard and be, I guess, in a way like brought together. And this is the type of this is the type of situation that could help that happen. I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, the national media. You know, they want Boston, L.A., they want New York, L.A., you know, Miami, Chicago, all these big all these big markets. You know what I mean? But, you know, I think that. You look at like, what's that what's that tweet you sent, man? And well, it it wasn't just you, but 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 when we looked at, you know, the you know, the regions or, you know, the markets that, you know, by I think by percentage that watch the most basketball, the most national TV games. Like New Orleans and Memphis were both in the top three, I believe. I don't think that that's I don't think that that's by accident or by design. So imagine, imagine what happens when you could put together a situation where both of those teams are good and they're constantly running, running into each other on national TV. I mean, that's the way that you change narrative. That's the way that you end up having people get away from con from consistently bashing and just you know getting away from thinking about. You know these old adages about what small small markets this small markets that when the Knicks have been uh you know consistently running into hell and been bad for quite some time now haven't won a championship since uh, I mean I was like n- negative twenty years old so you know I it just um I'm excited about this because I think one way or another no matter how many no matter how much the roster changes I think that we're you know, on both sides, I think that, that we're going to approach that and we're going to see it in the, you know, in the near future. It's sure, certainly going to be exciting. And obviously, too, I, I'm rooting for a playoff series between our two teams because that's what we need. That's what the, the basketball culture needs right there. But, you know, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you letting me in your spaces last night, even though, you gave me hell when I was trying to be positive about the New Orleans Pelicans, even though it was a, a bloody beat down. And, uh, but, you know, it's always great chopping it up with you. Uh, let the people know where they can find you and your work. Hey man, you know, it's, you know, it's all love, man. I just, you know, had to, had to let out, let out a little bit of rage, man, for a second. Somebody had to get it. So, <laughs> so, you know, it had to be an op that walked in, but now nah, man, Parker, you, my guy, you know, you know, you know, we always chop it up in the DMS as always. So always, Always going to support my guy here and everything that these guys are doing, Nathan as well and company, Bryce, and, you know, anybody, you know, that's this, this connected with this side of things because we ain't that, you know, we're not that different. And like I, like I keep saying, you know, I think, you know, we, we can lean, we lean on each other 
you know, uh, I think uh, with in and bad or in good, and it's 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 good to be able to do it to someone that's pretty much right next door, and that's a part of the small market, you know, you know, community, you know, when we're talking about uh, basketball team. So, but yeah, man, you, you can follow me on Impatient Bull. Now, if you want to come to some of these crazy crazy spaces, you pretty much do them after after every game. It's not may not be consistently consistently every game. You may see a different host up there sometimes. I may end up leaving early or whatever the case, but we try to keep it consistent. We have a good time. Um, and then afterwards, after the Lakers lose, we go into the Lakers spaces and listen to them completely break down. And that's, I mean, you really can't put together better nights than that. And I'll tell you what, that is NBA Twitter's favorite hobby right there. It's going into a Lakers spaces after a Lakers loss. I mean, it's just, I honestly haven't been able to catch up any of those because you know how it is on Central Coast time. It gets late, and I'm like, man, I got to get to bed. And But I, I catch the clips here and there, and it, it's fun as hell. But, yeah, make sure y'all follow Chris over at Impatient Bull. Puts out a lot of great Pels content. Puts out a lot of uh, good uh, music culture content as well. Uh, I remember he collabed with Bryce and I a while back on something that was really cool about Memphis music and how – it connects with the Grizzlies. So, yeah, make sure you all follow him. Great overall content. Great follow. Highly recommend. You can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Read all of our work over at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, writing reviews, and leaving five-star reviews for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it.